Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. So this morning we return to Exodus chapter 12 and we are going to return to the events that are related to the final plague uh, that, that God performed in, in Egypt, all right? And so we're, we're coming to, the, this is the, actually the exodus of the people of Israel out of, of Egypt. So we read about Passover, we've read about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we've discussed how, how those observances, how they relate to how it is that God redeems his people, how they relate to how God saves his people. Now today, we're going to read about the plague itself, which uh, you know by now that the final plague, this tenth plague, is actually the death of every firstborn in the land of Egypt. So we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 12, verse number 29, and this is after the people of Israel had, had done what they had been instructed to do, selected a lamb, slaughtered the lamb, marked the doorposts of their house, and went into their house, ate their Passover dinner. So we pick up in Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse number 29. And at midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night, and he said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go. Serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Verse 33, and the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had uh, also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked, and thus they plundered the Egyptians. Verse 37, and the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. And a mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Verse 40, And the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord 
by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words. We believe, God, we know that it is alive and it's active. It is, it is able to reveal our thoughts and our motives, able to judge them by the truth of your words. So we pray that, God, you'd give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning because we understand this. We understand that the truth will set us free. So God, anoint me to preach. Help me to preach effectively. Help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to communicate clearly. And God, I pray that you would compensate uh, for my weaknesses. God, in your wisdom, you decided that preaching would be the means by which people could hear and be saved by the gospel. So in these next several minutes, God, I pray that you'd help me to preach faithfully. As I do, Holy Spirit, please come, convict us of sin, convince us of righteousness, accomplish all that you desire to do, God, and we'll be thankful for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, after the people of Israel had um, made their Passover preparations, after um, they had slaughtered their Passover lamb and they had marked the doorposts and the lintel of their home with blood, they went inside of their home, they roasted the lamb, they ate the Passover meal. So after, after they had made all of these preparations, they went into their homes and they went in their homes. Remember, we touched on this last week just briefly. They went in their homes to remain there. Remember, God told them, stay in your house. Don't leave your house. So they went in their homes to remain there and to wait for God to come and to fulfill the promise uh, that he had made to Israel concerning Egypt and concerning this last plague. And it's important for us this morning to remember what they were waiting for. So let's review just very quickly. God had said that he himself would come and that he would kill every firstborn in the land of Egypt and that once this was done, he said, I'll kill the firstborn of every household in Egypt, even the livestock. And he promised, he said, once this is done, Pharaoh will send you completely out of the land of, of Egypt. This would happen suddenly. That was God's point. This was going to happen suddenly after this uh, final plague, which is why God told Moses, remember this, to instruct the people of Israel to eat their Passover meal with their belts fastened and with their sandals on their feet because they would be thrust out of Egypt suddenly after God had visited Egypt. In other words, they must be ready to go. They had to be ready to go. So what were the people of Israel waiting for as after they ate their Passover meal? Well, they were, they were waiting for the command to go. They're waiting for the word to, to leave. They were dwelling, remember, dwelling safely in their homes because their homes had been marked with the blood of the Passover lamb. They were dwelling safely in their homes. They were waiting for the word that would come, that would send them out of Egypt, and that would send them on their way to the promised land, the land that God had prepared for them. And the word came, the Bible says, around 
around midnight. Because it was at that time that the Lord struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron to, him, uh, to himself. And the Bible says that he told them both, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone. <laughs> Uh, what's remarkable about that passage is that it employs three different forms of the, the verb go. Three times he repeats that, that verb form signifying the, the urgency and the intensity of, of his command. In other words, go, go, go. <laughs> In other words, go, go on, get up get out of here. Pharaoh was ready to thrust them out of the land of Egypt. In fact, verse 33 says the Egyptians, all of the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land because they said, we shall all be. They didn't know if this was the first phase of an attack and that if all of them uh, were going to die. In other words, they were urgent pushing them out of the land, sending them out of the land of Egypt. I like, I don't typically read very much. I don't read the message um, because it's just, it's a paraphrase. I think you know that. But I like the way that the, the message actually phrases these couple of verses. It says it this way, Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron that very night and said, get out of here and be done with you. You and your Israelites, go worship God on your own terms. And yes, take your sheep and cattle as you insisted, but go. The Egyptians, says the Egyptians couldn't wait to get rid of them. They pushed them to hurry up saying, we're all as good as dead. So the point I'm trying to emphasize this morning is the urgency with which uh, the people of Israel were thrust out of the land of Egypt. That's important because the urgency with which the people of Israel um, were thrust out of Egypt, it underscores the anticipation that they must have felt as they waited for God to, to, um, promise, to deliver on the promise that he had made to them. In other words, as they ate their Passover meal and they ate it with their belts on and their sandals on, they were anticipating, they were waiting for the word. I doubt, um, I doubt that many of them slept that night, <laughs> did they? Because they were waiting for the command. They knew that they were going to go out suddenly. In fact, they left so suddenly that as we talked about last week, they had to grab their mixing bowls and cover them up in their cloaks and put them on their shoulders and, and, and leave because they were thrust suddenly out of the land of Egypt. And so not many of them, I'm sure, slept that night. In fact, there's a parable that Jesus tells in the Gospels that warns us about the dangers of falling asleep while we're waiting for God to fulfill his, his promise. And it, and it has several things that are in common with this episode from the book of Exodus. It's found in, you probably are familiar with it, it's found in Matthew chapter 25. 
And, and it goes like this. Jesus says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish and five were wise. And for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil uh, with, uh, took flasks of oil uh, with their lamps, and the bridegroom was delayed. They all became drowsy, and they slept. But at the midnight, but at midnight there was a cry: "Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him!" Then all those virgins rose, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, "Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out." But the wise answered, saying, "Since there will not be enough for." Us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. And Jesus ends this parable with this warning Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. You see, the, the um, night of Passover is a, is a good illustration of the day in which we live now. The night of Passover is a good illustration of the day in which we live. The Bible says that this world that we live in, this world is under the sentence of God's impending judgment that one day Jesus Christ will return to judge this world. I mean, no, that's what the Bible says. It's not just Pastor Tim. That's the Bible. But, um, so the Bible says that this world is under the sentence of God's impending judgment. In fact, the Bible says, Paul says this in his message to, I think it's the Athenians in the book of Acts. He says, God has set a day. That there is a day on God's calendar in which he knows he's going to return, he's going to come back, and he's going to judge uh, this world. So God has set a day when he is going to return and he's going to punish the wicked. However, he has promised that he will make a distinction between his own people and the people of the world. He has said that that he will save those that are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That God has made provision that he said, if you are covered by the Lamb of God, then on that day of judgment, when I come, when I return to punish the wicked, I'll spare you and I will save you. So he has, he has promised that he would save those that are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Moreover, he has promised that he's going to do what? That when he comes, he is going to take us out of this world. And he's going to take us to that place that he has prepared for us. How many are looking forward to that day when Jesus Christ comes? And he takes us out of this world. And he takes us to that place that he has prepared for us. Do you see the parallel between the night of Passover and the day in which we live. Therefore, here's, here's uh, the truth. We are, we are just like they were. We are now waiting. We're waiting for the midnight cry. 
We're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. We're waiting for God to come and to deliver us out of our present captivity and to take us to our future home. And just like them, we must be ready. We must be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, there are a few descriptions here in this passage about Passover night that I think are informative. A few descriptions from Passover that will serve, hopefully, to encourage us to remain awake, to stay alert, to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ as we wait for God to come back, fulfill his promises, judge the wicked, save us and take us to be with him. I believe that there's some parallels, there's some examples, there's some descriptions of that Passover night that I think are applicable to us as well and that we can learn from. And so I just want to mention three of them. Uh, I think it's three of them. Three of them this morning. might be more. Don't hold it against me if it's more, all right? But at least three of them that I want to mention this morning. Number one, the Bible describes the Passover night as a night of watching. A night of watching. Verse number 40 says that Israel had lived in Egypt for how long? 430 years. Um, how many knows you can get tired of waiting if you're waiting for 430 years? <laughs> I, I get tired of waiting if I'm waiting for 43 minutes. <laughs> um, 430 years they had been uh, in Israel. But verse 41 says that it was at the end of those 430 years that in fact that it was on the very day that marked the end of those 430 years that they went out from the land of Egypt. Now, why is that significant? I think it's significant because it means somebody was keeping count. Somebody was marking the days off and keeping count. Do you know who was keeping count? God was keeping count. God was keeping count. Verse number 42 says that that night, that, that night, the very night of the 430th year, that night, the Bible says, is a night, was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. What does that mean that God was watching? It doesn't mean that God was just a spectator and that he was watching what was happening. It actually means that God was watching the calendar. He knew he had set a day. He knew the day in which he was going to bring his people out. That word watching actually means that he was watching over his promise to fulfill the promise that he had made to the people of Israel. Who, who was keeping count? Maybe Israel had lost count by that point. We don't know. In fact, the Bible says there were a couple of different locations. It says they were in Israel for 40 generations. Another place it says they were there for 400 years. But God had the exact count. He knew it was 430 years to the day because he was watching over his word 
to perform the promise that he had made to the nation, to the people of Israel. He, was deser- he, was, he had determined the exact day that he was going to lead Israel out of Egypt. In fact, that word can actually also, it can be translated as keeping, that it was a day of keeping for the Lord. In other words, it was a day for God to keep his promise to the people of Israel. On this day, I'm going to keep my promise to you. And on that specific day, God kept his promise to Israel. He was watching over the word that he had spoken to them through the prophets, and he was going to keep his word. How many knows the Bible says that God is not slack concerning his promises, as some people count slackness, but that God will honor the promises that he has made to his people. Somebody should say, praise the Lord right there. God is faithful to his word. God watches over his word to perform it and to do it. God keeps his promises, and he was counting the days And that night was a night of keeping, a night of watching, because God kept his his promise. Verse 42 says that that night should be kept as a night of watching by uh, God's people. In other words, that we, or that in that case Israel, should be watching on that night for the fulfillment of God's promise because they knew that God was watching over his promise to do it. If you know that God keeps his word, and when God says, I'm going to do something, then you are watching for God to do what he has said he is going to do because you know that he's a God that does not lie. Amen? And so they were watching for the fulfillment of God's promise because they knew that God was going to keep his his words. Friends, there's a day and there's a time when Jesus Christ is coming again. (laughs) He has said it in his word. Nobody, we don't know the time and the day. Anybody who does say they know the time and the day, they're, they're lying because God's word says nobody knows the time and the day except the Father in heaven. But I guarantee this, the Father in heaven has it marked on his calendar. He knows the time He knows the day. He's watching over his word. He's going to keep his promise. And if we know that he is going to keep his promise, then we should be watching and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ because we know that we know that we know that it's going to take place. Amen. So stay awake. Keep watching. Keep waiting because God is watching over his word. But second of all, The Bible describes that night not only as a night of watching, but the Bible describes that night as a a night of wailing, a night of wailing. The Bible says that it was at midnight that God struck down the firstborn in Egypt. The Pharaoh and all of Egypt rose in the night. Notice that. They rose in the night, and the Bible says there was a great cry in Egypt because there was not a house where someone was not dead. Can you, can you imagine that kind of um, tragedy? Could, could you imagine something happened in Dunn, North Carolina, where 
Every household, every household in Dunn, someone was um, dead the next, next morning. Could you imagine uh, that kind of tragedy that took place? Can you imagine the sound of grieving that took place in the land of Egypt when every household discovered that their firstborn uh, was dead? But, but it goes beyond that even because why would, here's a question that I don't, I don't know that I've ever asked of this passage before. Um, why would Pharaoh and all of Egypt rise in the middle of the night to discover that their firstborn was dead? I've never, never really thought about that, have, have you? The implication is that the firstborn didn't die, just a silent, peaceful death. In other words, you know, Pharaoh didn't wake up the next morning to discover his firstborn was dead. Something happened that caused him to rise in the middle of the night and find his firstborn dead. Something roused him, something roused all of Egypt from their sleep and led them into the room or wherever their firstborn was to discover that their firstborn was dead. We don't know what that was. We don't know whether it was a sense, uh, but it was, it was something that all of them rose to find their firstborn dead. Was it a, was it a cry of anguish? Uh, was it their firstborn crying out in terror or in fear? We, we don't know for sure what it was. But the point is this, that this was a night of unspeakable terror for the Egyptians. Unspeakable terror in the land of Egypt. And that's, that's something that we forget about when we talk about the return of Jesus Christ. And that is that it will be a time of great distress. Great distress in the world. In fact, here's how Isaiah 13 describes it. Listen. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble and every human heart will melt. They will be dismayed. Pangs of agony will seize them. The day of the Lord comes cruel with wrath and fierce anger to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. Now, that describes a time of great distress and terror doesn't it? Now, let me be clear this morning. Those that are abiding in Jesus Christ, those that, ha that are covered by the blood of the Lamb, how many knows we have no fear of the return of Jesus Christ? Amen. I remember watching the movies when I was, when I was young, even younger than these young people. And what were they called? Thief in the Night and A Distant Thunder. And I can remember sitting in youth group watching those movies, and I was scared to death <laughs> about the return. Listen, I'm telling you, I want to make sure our youth know this. I want to make sure everybody knows this this morning. If you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear the return of Jesus Christ. Amen? In fact, the Bible says we should look up because our redemption draweth nigh. Amen? So we don't, we don't have anything to fear about the return of Jesus Christ because we're covered by the blood. 
We anticipate, we're looking forward to the time when Jesus Christ comes and takes us out of here and takes us to our heavenly home. Nevertheless, it needs to be said, it will be a time of great terror in the world. And, and I believe we cannot become complacent about the consequences of, of God's judgment. In fact, listen to me this morning. If you, are, if you are unmoved by the impending destruction of those who may not know Jesus Christ, then can I tell you this morning, your heart has grown hard. Your heart has grown hard, and you need to pray Amen. and ask God, God, give me compassion and give me Christ-like love for people who are different than me, people who don't believe like me. Help me to weep, God, for the lost. Help me not to see them as enemies, but God, help me to see them as lost people that need a Savior, who need Jesus Christ. Amen. So our hearts should be moved by compassion. We should have a love for the lost that would bring us to tears because chances are that some of those who will not be saved, some of those who will be swept away by the wrath of God will be your neighbors, your friends, your family members because it will be a day of great destruction and a day of great terror and wrath. And so when we, when we consider that, then we have to understand that every day that God delays his return. Now, I'm ready for him to come right now, aren't you? I'm ready to go to heaven, be with Jesus Christ. But I also understand this. I understand that every day that God delays his coming is a day of mercy and is a day of grace. And it's an opportunity for you and it's an opportunity for me to warn others about the destruction that's coming. And to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. That he has paid the price, that they can be covered by the blood, that he can spare them and take them to be in heaven uh, with him. In fact, did you notice in this passage it says that when Israel went out from Egypt, it says 600,000 Men went out, not counting the women and the children who went with them. So some estimates put the, the multitude of Hebrews that left Egypt at two, maybe even three million people that left um, Egypt. But did you notice that the Bible says, and a mixed multitude also went with them. Have you ever wondered who is that mixed multitude that goes with them? Well, those, those were... Egyptians that went with Israel. They may have been related. They may have married into the family. They may have been converts. I like to call them the Egyptians' cousins and converts group <laughs> that Israel took with them when they went out of the land of Egypt. And I'm telling you, friends, that's, that's why we're here is so that we can take a multitude with us.
us. Amen. God has placed us here so that we can preach the gospel, so that we can witness to others, so that we can warn them about the destruction that is coming, so that we can tell them the glorious good news of what Jesus Christ has done, so that when he comes and when he returns, they can go with us. Amen. Look around at every empty seat in this sanctuary this morning. That's a seat where somebody could be sitting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ who needs to go to heaven. There's lost people that are out there. Amen. And if our heart is unmoved by the condition of the lost, then our hearts are hard. And we need to stir ourselves and say, Lord, help me. I want to be watching and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. I want to be working and telling others about Jesus Christ when he comes. And then finally, last one, uh, last description. The Bible describes that night as a night of a great transfer of wealth. Wealth was transferred from the Egyptians um, to the people of Israel. The wealth of the Egyptians was given to the people of Israel. Now, I'm not going to dwell on, one, along on this one this morning. Um, the Bible says, I mean, the, the, remember the, the Isra, uh, people of Israel didn't receive this wealth until when? Until they left Egypt, right? While they were in Egypt, they were what? Slaves. While they were in Egypt, they were paupers. They were poor they had no money. Um, but when they left Egypt, they were what? Rich. They had plundered the Egyptians. You know, I've often wondered, I don't occupy my mind too much with this question because I don't have too much money. <laughs> but the question is, what happens to our money when Jesus comes? You know, what happens to our money that's in the bank or that we have hidden in our house somewhere when Jesus comes? I guess that's, an, like I said, an interesting question. We know that we can't take it with us. We don't take the money with us, right? Um, in fact, you know, the frozen assets, the bank accounts of millions of Christians when Jesus Christ comes and we're raptured, um, probably that's going to be one of the crises that will facilitate the mark of the beast to make it necessary for everybody to have it. I don't know how it's all going to work. I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen to all of my money. when I, I don't have much money to worry about. <laughs> the money I leave may not cover the debts that I leave. <laughs> Either way, here's what I know. I'm going to be so much richer when I leave this place. Amen. In fact, you know, people who say, uh, there's no such thing as a get-rich-quick get rich scheme. I agree with them mostly except for one, one exception. There's one exception to that. The Bible says, lay up your treasures in heaven. And not here below where moth and rust corrupts those things, but start laying up treasures in heaven because the moment that Jesus comes, <laughs> all of those treasures transfer over to us. What a day that's going to be. Amen. I'm looking forward to the reward that is mine when I enter into the presence of, of Jesus Christ. So the night of Passover was a night where where um, all of the people of Israel, they stayed awake. They were watching. They were waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And it happened at midnight. But I want to say one final thing about midnight. 
because midnight in the Bible is, is, is the critical moment. Midnight is, is the critical moment. It's when midnight is when God intervenes. Midnight is when circumstances change. Uh, midnight is um, midnight is the end of whatever's in the past, and midnight is the beginning of whatever is in the future. You know, we, we see a illustration of that with military time, right? If you operate by a 24-hour clock, then midnight is what sometimes referred to as 2,400 hours, but officially it's what, Sean? Zero, 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 right. But midnight is zero, zero, zero. But how many zeros is that? Zero, 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 zero. It's when the clock flips. It's the beginning of, officially, it's the beginning of a, of a new day, the next day. And midnight is the critical moment when the past is past and the future is in front of us. We see this repeatedly. In, in the Bible, Passover, it was at midnight that God turned the situation around. He came and delivered his people. Midnight, it was, it was at midnight that Samson, remember the story about Samson? He was surrounded by his enemies and they were waiting for him in ambush. And it was at midnight, the Bible says, that he shook himself, rose up, and he tore the gates off of the city and he escaped from his enemies. It was at midnight, remember the story of Ruth? The Ruth went, she laid down next to Boaz, her kinsman, redeemer, and it was at midnight that Boaz woke up and he saw the young lady and covered her with his cloak, and she received that blessing from him. It's at midnight, we already read in Matthew chapter 25, it's at midnight when the bridegroom comes. It's at midnight, Jesus tells the parable about the man who had a friend that came to him and needed bread, and it's at midnight that the friend knocks on the door and gets bread for his friend. And it's at midnight, we all know this story because we're Pentecostals, it's at midnight that Paul and Silas are in prison, <laughs> and they're in prison, they're in locks, they're chained up, and it's at midnight that they begin to sing praises to God. And the prison shakes, God intervenes, God changes their circumstances and makes the difference. You see, midnight is the moment of breakthrough. It's the point at which deliverance comes. It's when bonds are broken. It's when God keeps his promises. It's when blessings are received. And how many knows the night is sometimes long, is sometimes dark, it's sometimes hard. It's some, some, sometimes difficult. But I'm here to tell you this morning, don't give up hope. Because there's a moment coming when God's going to change your circumstances. When God's going to intervene. When God's going to act. When God's going to move. When God's going to bless. When God's going to change your situation. The Bible says, tears may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Mike, would you come to the piano this morning? I want you to know this morning, your situation 
It'll change if you trust in him. If you keep your eyes on Jesus. You put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ. Your situation can change. God can turn it around. Do you believe that this morning? Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through this morning, it can change. It will change if you keep your eyes on Jesus. If you watch him. If you wait for him. If you hold on. Listen, if you hold on to his word. Because what is God's word says? He watches over his word to perform it. He's, he's a good God. He keeps his promises. Folks, I said he keeps his promises. Amen. He honors his word. And I believe that in your situation, he has set a time, he has set a date. He will keep his promise if you will hold on to his word. Can I read one scripture for you this morning? It's found in Psalm 119. And this, I think, goes so beautifully with what the Lord did earlier in the service as well. Psalm 119, beginning in verse number 57, it says, The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Look at verse 62. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. <laughs> I want us to rise up right now. Would you do that? Stand to your feet and let's praise him. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play App Store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.